One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Histories of the Unexpected. He's the famous historical adventurer, Dr Sam Willis. And he's Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. He is Professor James Daybell. And we are your hosts for Histories of the Unexpected. Each week we discuss a surprising subject oozing with unexpected historical significance. And this week it's rubbish, which is all about what people choose not to remember, not to cherish. So you could say that it's actually the opposite of history. <laughs> well, for me, it's all about truth. It's about reading the remains of objects thrown out to find out what has actually been going on. It's about all those wine bottles you're hiding in your shed. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast and tell all your friends. We're on Twitter. You can follow me at Dr. Sam Willis. And you can follow me at James Daybell. We're proud to be part of the excellent History Hit Network, home of Dan Snow's History Hit and other great shows coming soon. And you can find out more about what we've got planned in the forthcoming months, show notes, video clips, photos of everything we discuss and much, much more at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 19 of Histories of the Unexpected, where we will be audio googling through history, exploring the history of things that you didn't even know had a significant story to tell, like the dictionary, fleas, or privacy. Privacy. Private fleas. Private fleas. <laughs> and we'll be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how simply everything, simply everything, has a history, and crucially, how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, Sam, that the history of mud is all to do with longbows? <laughs> so, it, so it's all about preservation. Nice. Um, and the history of smell is all to do with anticipation. Oh, yes. You'll have, to, you'll have to wait for that one. I'm sure perfume... The history of anticipation. The history of anticipation. We did, did we do a bit of that on when we did the letter... Anticipating the post. Yes, yes. Remember that? Yes. Postal anxiety. Postal anxiety, but now we're going to do uh, nasal anxiety. Nasal anxiety. <laughs> Bad smells. Odiferous anxiety. Um, well, the man sitting opposite me, it's the Michelangelo of millennia. It's Professor James Daybell. And the man sitting opposite me is the assassin of the archives. It is Dr. Sam Willis. You're getting violent with these. I was the hit man last time. <laughs> Um, together we'll be piloting you on this uncharted and frankly highly dangerous flight into the past. Each week, one of us is going to take the lead. And this week, it's James's turn. What have you got? Rubbish. <laughs> I'm not insulting you there. Um, this week's topic is the topic of the history of rubbish. Wow. Okay. When we think about rubbish... What do we think about? history, what do you think about? Where do you go with Rubbish. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trained as an archaeologist, so I'm kind ah. of, I did a degree in archaeology. I'm quite at home with rubbish. Archaeologists 
love rubbish. Almost the entire discipline of archaeology, as far as I can make it out, is now based on the micro-analysis of things that people throw away. So I suppose that's my initial thoughts. Um, I would think about cleanliness, Hmm. cities. Hmm. I'd think Hmm. about disease, sewage... Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you know, I've got those visions of people emptying chamber pots out of balconies onto medieval yeah. streets. Was that true? Yeah. Was that yeah. true? Is that, a, is that an urban myth? I'm sure. I'm sure it's true. Of course. Yeah. 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 Where else would it go? I don't know. Where else would you put it? Would it it'd, actually, be down, it'd be down. You'd have a dung heap in certain places. You would store urine. Urine was a very useful product to have around the house. Well, and that comes to the history of smell, then. Yeah. So the history of smell. Well, um, the history of urine. We're going to do the history of urine. We are going to do the history of urine and the history of smell. So we're going to come back to this, I think. But, yeah, rubbish, the smell. Horrific. Do you know what? When I... I went to Glastonbury a couple of years ago for the first time. Right. And I, I got a Sunday ticket. Hmm. So by then, everyone's already been there for at least three days, sometimes more. And... So I arrived about 10 o'clock on Sunday morning and it was like a medieval battle site. There were people kind of half hanging out of tents, people completely sparko in the middle of fields, you know, where the, where the, the bands had all gone. But what got me was the smell. Hmm. The rubbish hmm. had, had generally been cleared up. There were, you know, there weren't massive mountains of rubbish, but what was left... It was like a promise of rubbish. There was going right. to be, there right. was going to be more there, and there had been a great deal there. And it was the smell that I found completely appalling. And I reckon that going to Glastonbury after the festival, after five or six days of, of hundred thousand people going there, is probably the closest you're going to get to what a medieval city smelled like. Yes, except the packaging. You know, the the modern sort of obsession with packaging and advertising that's associated with it. You know, that wouldn't be there. So what, you know, I'm sure there'd be a lot more recycling, there'd be a lot more sort of, you know, just using everything. The other thing about recycling, though, is is if you do look at consumerism in history, people have always had to store food and drink in something. Roman amphora is a classic example. And if you go and you look at the, from an archaeological perspective, the you know, the rubbish dumps on the River Tiber, you know, ones outside Rome... They are enormous and they're still there because they yeah. made everything out of pottery. Yeah. And so you've yeah. got a yeah. little pot containing some fish oil or whatever it is. That doesn't biodegrade. Yeah. But the whole very, the very definition of it means we can study it now because it hasn't gone anywhere. Mm. So this problem with packaging has actually been around for millennia. Mm. Interesting. I think though that when we start about rubbish, thinking about rubbish, we need to define rubbish. And, the, and it's the definition of what is rubbish and what constitutes rubbish. Mm. That, it, that I think is, is really at the heart of what historians do. Rubbish is really about archiving. Archiving is what you so do. So it's the negative of what you haven't kept. Something, yeah, it's the negative of what you haven't kept. So it's the amount of things that you think that have gone, you know, that you actually have that are intact that you can study. So the sort of the hidden histories are in fact the histories of, of rubbish. It's the stuff that's been thrown away. Yeah. That's been considered disposable, ephemeral, not important. Are you a hoarder? You know, do you throw stuff out? Do you find that easy? I have occasional. I have occasional purges, right? But I am kind of a hoarder. I can't. I can't. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I say I, I have seen his study, and it's quite significant <laughs> that we're not recording this podcast in James's it study. Is, it is. It is packed. <laughs> and you and you are you are building a new study at the moment, and I've got rid of about. Over half of your books, which I could never do. No, and that's really interesting. I purged my books as a historian. It's a pretty serious. It's but, a pretty but, serious thing. But they've been recycled. They've gone to people who yeah. can. They've gone to other people who can use, use them. them. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But no, James's study is it's it's halfway between a kind of knickknack shop and a charity <laughs> shop and a tip. 
so, uh, your, in future years, when I die, how many years ago was your last purge? Sure. <laughs> That's all I want to know. Well, I purge little bits, <laughs> <laughs> shelves. As I, pur- I purge mm. bits. Before we go on, okay, um, uh, it's really interesting actually. So, if you think about the the, the anxieties to do with throwing stuff out, it's a oh, it's a God, very yes. personal yes. thing. You yes. actually say something, so it might might be rubbish now, but it might have been incredibly important all your yeah. lives. And yeah. actually, there's a really interesting history. Um, often happens with bereavement yeah. of people yeah. throwing yeah. away yeah. stuff, which is actually massively important to them. Yeah. And they're not throwing it away because it has no use to them, but because it has use to it them. It has sentiment, it, they're, sentimental they're, use. They are flushing things, they're purging yeah. and they're getting rid of it. And I think that's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. So you've got, we've got to think about the different motivations for but, throwing But things. also the opposite of that, you know, when a process of bereavement is about letting go and is about getting rid of stuff. But there's also the opposite of that, which is about the sort of the emotional, sentimental connection to rubbish yeah. that you don't deem as rubbish, but you want it as a memory of a loved one. You know, I think about my my daughters who produce endless, endless amounts of artwork. Mm. And whether it be a sort of, you know, scribble on a piece of paper or a sort of smear of something on it, I, I find it really difficult to throw it out. Yeah. I have a box in the loft, yeah. you know, full of doodlings from when they were... You know, six months old. I, I have the same problem with my daughter. Do you know? And she, she's always given me little things to put next to my bed, like you know, her latest artwork. Yeah. And I, I've got a cunning way of stopping her doing it. Every time she gave me one, I did one for her, yeah. <laughs> and I did a little doodle or something. And I can't draw at all. Yeah. And so I basically put up terrible art next to her bed every time she gave me something, and it made her stop. <laughs> I mean, these are these are these are these are sort of these may seem like ramblings of two sort of sentimental fathers, but if you transfer this historically backwards and we think about the history of the family and the history of family archives and family preservation of materials these are the exact same questions that people in the past would have had yeah you know whether you get rid of something or whether you keep it anyway i want to move on and i want to present you with some ancient rubbish here we are this is ancient rubbish um, well, what have we got here uh, you've got ancient writing i can't quite work is it greek it's Greek and some Latin. And is that on paper, papyrus, or is it on wood? Papyr- papyrus. Okay. Wonderful. So these are letters. Uh, well, there's some kind of... Um, well, I don't know what, what they are. They're, they're little documents, they're, and they're, they're fragments of documents. They're little fragments. What we have here, this one here... With bits missing. This one here, which is... It literally, it's like a sort of a holy piece of paper, all sorts of holes, little, little fragments. And this one is, in fact, an account of a teenage wrestler... Uh, who was managed by his father, who'd agreed to accept a bribe oh. for his son to lose a fight, right. a wrestling match. This so it's like WWE. So it's uh, it's like WWE <laughs> circa 12 BC. Yeah. So, you know, I wonder if he had a great wrestling An, an example that cheating and match fixing goes back from that to, to that that sort of period. We've got here a what what is thought to be a fragment of a romantic novel. We've got here an extract, a fragment of. Uh, the lost gospel, the early story of yeah. Jesus, and a very early sort of history. And wow. all of these, we know about them because of rubbish. Because they were thrown out? Because they were, basically, it's all to do with these two men. Right, there's a wonderful photo of a, <laughs> a brilliant early 20th century couple of explorers with lovely flat caps amazing facial hair they're basically hipsters aren't they colonial hipsters they own a coffee shop in Brixham and this is, outside this, a tent so obviously they're out on safari somewhere well not safari but you know they're, they're somewhere, somewhere archaeological, ar- archaeological, archaeological dig yeah. 
This is Bernard Pine Grenville and the wonderfully named Arthur Surridge Hunt, two archaeologists, late 19th century, early 20th century, who discovered the North African Roman city of Oxyrhynchus. Have, have you discovered a Roman city? I have not discovered no, a Roman city. No, I'd like city. to discover a Roman city. But these guys were out digging in the dust, quite literally digging in the dust, and they came up with the Oxyrhynchus papyri. Wow. And they found almost half a million wow. fragments that are now residing in the Ashmolean Museum in Oxford. Mm-hmm. And among them, these are manuscripts that date from the 1st to the 6th century AD. And there are all kinds of things in here. You know, and the thing is that they survive as, as fragments, but we've got, you know, the, just the examples that I've given, you know, little accounts, letters, plays, receipts, wills, government letters, you know, all sorts of, all sorts of things we've got. Yeah, it reminds um, me of the, um, the Roman, the Roman letters which have been found up in a fort on Hadrian's Wall. Yeah. In yeah. Lander, is it? Yeah. Or Chester's yeah. is one of the yeah. two, it's one of the two yeah. under Hexham. Yeah. But they're incredible and they are, you know, most of them have, are not translated. There's a huge, project called Ancient Lives at the moment that has about a quarter of a million volunteers who are getting together, a lot of this is online, they're getting together and they're trying to transcribe these documents. It's a massive transcribathon. So it's a wonderful sort of insight into what was thrown away allows us to suddenly get at these invaluable ancient texts. So that, that's a real gift for historians, you know, looking at what we've got here are preserved letters. Yeah. So, so that's the, the meat and drink of historians. It's the written yeah. word. Yeah. Um, my perspective, I would come at it from, from the archaeological perspective, um, yeah. where you, you're essentially working with objects. I, I know the lines are now blurred much more with material culture studies and historians actually working with objects, but historians have got a great deal to learn from archaeologists yeah. who've been doing Definitely. that for a lot longer. And it's magical the things people can find out now from using science. And also, it's creative thought. It's just applying very clever ways of thinking about objects. That's one of the things I find most rewarding and exciting about how archaeology relates to history, but also how archaeology is developing as a discipline. Because you're having the reinterpretation of collections of things. Um, Those collections haven't changed, but you're just having people applying new ways of thinking about the collections. And I find that very satisfying, very rewarding. You know, it's exciting to see what people are coming up with. One of the things I wanted to talk about, actually, is is an experiment that you do Hmm. as an archaeologist. It's really good for kids, this. What you do is you invent four people. Or you can do it in your own family. It's actually quite a fun thing to do. And you say, my name's Sam. My job is a historian. I like walking my dog. I like going to the beach. I like going to the pub. And I like eating crisps. Okay? So then you write down a handful of things which makes you you, your personality, who you are. And then you put a handful of objects in a bag that represents you. Yeah. And then you can go and hide the bag somewhere. Right. Okay. So it's it's not about digging up. It's not about discovery at this stage. But what you then do is you you essentially try and piece together someone's life from a handful of clues, and it's a really valuable exercise. Now I'd, I'd urge everyone to do it. Yeah. Now the other experiment and exercise you can do is well, sorry, essentially once you've found the bag, you have to guess who's, who's guess whose bag it is. Right. Um, and it's great if you, you obviously can't do it within your own family because you know whose toys are whose or whose wallet is whose, but you can do it with someone else's family. Uh, and that's absolutely fabulous. And if you're, a, say, in a shared house, house of students, it's great because everyone's of the same age group. So you have to really kind of focus and think about it. Now, at the same time, there's a, there's a really fun archaeological experiment that's been going on run by Exeter University for 
school kids. And it's a similar idea, but you bury everything. And what they're doing is they're burying stuff for a year, burying it for two years, and then monitoring how it's degraded, which will then allow historians, archaeologists, to better date things, to understand the whole process of decomposition, which leads us to the very important question of Sherlock Holmes and corpses. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. it's, you know, it's absolutely wonderful where you, you actually, medical science is all part of this and you can, you can find out how long someone's been dead for by yeah. understanding what happens to the body, what happens to decomposition. It's exactly the same principle with archaeology. So I would urge you all to just go and bury some stuff. It's really good fun. And then dig it up and see what happens to it. But you'd be amazed what happens to these things and how they change. So yeah, that's why, you know, that's my, my contribution, a bit of interesting archaeology. Take your take on rubbish. Yeah, that's my take on rubbish. Um, there is one more thing I want to do, and that's uh, is, is consider is, is rubbish. Rubbish is truth. And rubbish is truth. Rubbish is truth. Where are you going with rubbish is truth? Rubbish is truth. What I'm going there is the things that you throw out may not be yeah. the things that you want people to know about. Okay. They might be okay. much more revealing of your yep. actual life. Yep. 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 Um, so the obvious thing is um, secret bottles of gin. Yep. You know, if you're yep. a boozer, you throw out your gin or you throw out your fag packets or your yep. girly magazines or whatever it is. Um, but your personality, your public figure, your public face is something completely different. And actually, if you analyse rubbish... Um, it's yep. really good for contemporary societies, and this is something that archaeologists have really taught modern sociologists, is how you could actually understand patterns of consumerism by looking at rubbish in a much more accurate way than asking people questions. It's, actually, it's, it's the history of shredding. Yes, nice. In a way, you know, what do politicians, what do public figures, what do corporations get rid of? What don't they want people, what sort of sensitive information yeah. do they not want people to have? Yes. Read in the history of the private lives of individuals, what record of your, your lived life do you want there to be yeah. for posterity? And what, how do you want to present yourself? And what do you want to get rid of? Yeah. And you can completely sort of cut through the crap, basically. Yeah. You can find, find, yeah. find, out, yeah. find out the truth behind things. Um, I know that, I mean, things like fast food, eating fast food, when people have just been, if, if you measure the amount that's kind of thrown away, yeah. um, you can get all sorts of sense of, of whether people are actually fronting up to how much fast food they're eating. Mm. Um, but also you get this other idea and a kind of a very detailed picture of food waste yeah. Um, yeah. which is all part of this um, so it's a society as, as wasting yeah. um, it's about the society being aware of, of how they behave and there are some interesting thought processes about this about people overproducing becoming very wasteful and then yeah. becoming yeah. very good at recycling yeah. we're part of a pattern that's been going back through like to the yeah. Mayan civilization yeah. Yeah. where they, they've got some wonderful rubbish tips that found there and they've they've worked out that the the Mayans went through this extraordinary cycle of being very wasteful and then it all changing because of environmental pressures whatever it was but we know that their behavior changed because that their rubbish change and things they weren't throwing out before suddenly were being thrown out or, or the other way around they stopped throwing out things yeah. which they had been throwing out before so they'd found a use for it yeah which is yeah. great isn't it very good very good so that repurposing of things i mean i think we should do something on the history of recycling mm -hmm. in future in future weeks i mean in work that i've been doing over the last few years i've been doing a lot of work with big manuscript collections it's a lot of time in the in Oxford and in London, in the British Library and the Bodleian New Manuscript Room, which is fabulous. Just pulling up all sorts of um, big sort of volumes of manuscripts. What's incredible is the way in which sometimes these are wrapped 
in recycled materials. Mm. I've got an example here that's from Merton College in Oxford, and they've got hold of a new herbal um, that's all sort of natural history, John Johnson's Natural History, 1657, which is beautifully bound. But what you can see here in the front cover is that it's actually been bound in what is a wrapper from paper. Paper would have been would have been made. It would have been uh, it would have been made in sort of a, a sort of box, mm-hmm. um, and then it would have been, you know it's often rag paper, and then sheets are sort of are made, and it, it's sold in quires of paper. Twenty quires would be put together, would be wrapped up in something like this. I here. see. Yeah. Um, that wrapper has then been recycled instead of being thrown away because paper is expensive, it's valuable. Those items have been, re- and it's incredible the way in which sort of ephemeral paper like that that might have been in you know cheap broadsides or pamphlets is used in millions of ways. I mean, oh, of course, not millions, but but lots of different ways to stuff pie dishes, fish and chips. on the wall, fish and chips, newspapers fish, and fish and, and chips, newspaper and fish and chips. We should do something on the history of paper and chips and chips. We should do something on the history and of fish. The, we can do everything. The potato, <laughs> the potato. We've got to come back to your potatoes. Anyway, I think let's draw this wonderful ramble through rubbish. We, have we been talking trash? We <laughs> we've been talking intelligently about <laughs> hopefully intelligent. We haven't been talking rubbish. No, no, ever rubbish. So. Um, um, that was it. We've gone from fish and chips to the Mayan civilizations to, to a, rest, a teenage wrestler. Yes, who cheated? Who cheated? And well, that was frankly amazing. I'm feeling a bit confused now. <laughs> and, and you should all go out and bury personal possessions in the ground that will later be dug up as rubbish. Yes, make it sure it's your own personal possessions. Though you can't go around burying someone else's personal possessions, even if it's for an archaeological experiment, um, even though you might find it funny. Thank you very much for listening. Um, do get in touch with your tales of historical rubbish. We want to know what's been dug up, what's been found, and um, send it in, and we'll post it online. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.